Welcome to the Conversations with Anna podcast. My name is Dr. Anna Stump, the Golden Ticket Professor, a self-proclaimed edutainer. I'm a former business executive turned high school teacher turned college professor. And in the past three decades of that transition, I have spent time with several generations. And with that as my foundation, I have some stories to tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories or interviews that will help you focus on your own truth. I want you to feel accepted, motivated, supported, and then I want you to be able to take what you know about yourself and your truth, go out into this big old world we live in and apply that so you can move forward with a strategy for a more authentic life. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to a conversation with Anna. It's early in the day, so much I want to do. I dedicate today to breaking rules I'm gonna stick to a strategy I'm gonna find out exactly what I'm made of Is there really something wrong with just smiling the whole day long? Hi and welcome back. I have kind of a throwback If you remember, if you've been listening for a while, episodes three and four, I talked a little bit about personality assessments and the the different instruments and things. And I give a ton of pause when I want to talk about these because I know some people love them. Some people don't buy into them. I know there's a difference between those that you can do free online, you know, maybe a step up from which Disney princess you are to, you know, various free personality assessments that aren't really grounded in science and those types of things versus, you know, is it a snapshot in time? Is it really who you are? And I do believe there's a danger in using these as a crutch or stereotyping or using as an excuse or whatever that might be. However, my goal with you is for you to constantly be grounded in this self-awareness self-acceptance, really truly figuring out your gifts and your talents, how you add value, and how best to manage the you and the world around you, your relationships, your boundaries, all of the things that we talk about on this. And I have to tell you that in the program that I work in, in the graduate program, we had a guest speaker in June of 2021. And this is a professor And she and her husband have a consultancy company around emotional intelligence. They work with a lot of companies. And she had mentioned at one point, just in conversation, that she and her husband had done some work in their consultancy around using Myers-Briggs to help organizations with their teams and help individuals with different aspects of coping with stress and different things. So great We had her in as a guest speaker, and I have to tell you that during the Zoom call, one of the graduate students texted me and said, I wish you could see your face right now. And again, they don't quite understand that when you get to be an old lady (laughs) and you're looking back on your life thinking, where was this information when I was like 20, like you, like, my gosh, because I was shook, completely shook. And I'll tell you the things that shook me. First of all, I did not take the time or have the interest or bandwidth to discover that. And this is all out there for everyone. This is not proprietary knowledge that only people with academic library access can get. 
But the, the Myers-Briggs has dominant and auxiliary traits. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was an issue that you should be aware of with the pairing of your traits in terms of like your Myers-Briggs type. And I had no idea that you could break things down like Dr. Shaw was doing with us with stress. Unbelievable. Like I was just enthralled the whole time because it's one of those things that you sit there and you take on board and you think, okay, well, wouldn't this have been handy to know back when I was, you know, mad at myself or ashamed of myself or trying to improve myself in areas where it really just wasn't me or where I could have articulated to my spouse or my friend or my colleague or my entire team or my boss better what I needed and why. So I wanted to share some of this with you today. And of course, you know, I go on these deep dives to get ready to have these conversations with you. And then I run across all this really fun stuff that ends up like completely helping me. So thank you for letting me uh, help myself help me help you help me. Um, So I start because Dr. Professor Shaw was covered this information. And here's the big takeaway. I'll give you the big takeaway that caused me to want to do this more is and I will tell you that she started this call talking about the adverse effects that stress has on her health and on her body to the point that she develops like really kind of sometimes debilitating illnesses and really was not aware for several years that that was tied to stress. She thought she was getting sick the more she started to understand about it and how she was in stressful situations and applied her truth, right? Her personality type, her tendencies, what brought stress, what helped energize her, those things. When she started to learn all these things about her, she realized that she was, again, oftentimes trying to do the wrong role in the wrong organization around the wrong people. So she discovered all this stuff about her. This is what made her kind of delve into this. And then she started to describe these things. And she put all the Myers-Briggs types up and she was going through. And here's the thing that shouted out to me the most is one of the things that causes me and my personality type is ENFJ. So that is an extrovert, intuitive, feeler, judger. The ENFJ is somebody who needs community to feel energized. So that's another reason why I'm sitting there going like, how have I thrived so much working from home and being remote is because if I go back through my calendar, the days I am most productive, the days that I walk out of my office and like, quote unquote, clock out for the day, the days that I'm most energized And at my best is when I've had a bunch of Zoom calls or phone calls or, you know, throw back to when and currently starting to get back into face to face meetings and interaction with people. When that is present, I'm at my best, my least stressed, which I have to tell you, I think admitting to stress and talking about stress and feeling stressed is something that... I am not good at because it feels like a little bit of weakness and like, I don't want to be one of those people that's like, OMG, so stressed out all the time, right? I'm not good with that because there's a certain level of competence I think that I have that helps me deal with that. So I'm kind of like Professor Shaw with not understanding that your body sometimes is screaming out to you in other ways to say, hey, your stress level is not manageable. I think I have 
symptoms of that that I was not equipped to recognize or thinking about recognizing because I just assumed like I handle everything. I show up, I handle it. I I got this. Don't worry about it. It's not stress. I'm not stressed. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Right? That girl. Um, so I was reading this and then I started to look up some of the things she was talking about is like, how does your, what stresses you and how does stress appear in you? And wow, I was like, hey, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> check, 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 all the way down this list. And it, it, I have noticed in the weeks since her uh, presentation that when I start getting frustrated with something or I'm procrastinating on my to do list or my, I'm having a hard time concentrating or I like, I find myself exhaling a lot, <laughs> like, oh, right, here we go. Or I have, kind of self thoughts or negative um, lenses that I have to stop and reflect, like, when's my community happened? When have I been in community versus when have I been in solitude? And that's been big, super big for me. Like, that's been really good. So there have been days where uh, we are in the middle of semesters that I don't have a lot of meetings and phone calls and obligations to people. And I've been very good about how I have blocked off and scheduled and managed my time. And oddly enough, me bringing in people and checking on folks and being on phone calls and text messages and grabbing coffee or lunch or having a meeting, even helping people with their resume and just doing different things is a sense of community to me that is energizing. And I know that is not how it is for people. I am an extrovert on the Myers-Briggs living with two eyes. My husband and my son both start with I, they're both introverts. So what you have to remember is my husband is an introvert who goes and teaches in a classroom all day. So his level of energy and capacity for things when he gets home is a little different than mine. These are all things, you know, you work through, but I went and kind of dived into this and started looking and I found this really amazing resource and I'm going to share in the show notes, but the, um, Myers-Briggs, um, from the EU. So it's eu.themyersbriggs.com has this thing called the MBTI stress heads. And these are by your personality type. You can download yours and it's got like a really super fun graphic. It's an upside down head and your Myers-Briggs type is in big, bold, colorful letters. And then it is like a word cloud of likely stress triggers for each type. So if you know your type, you can click on the image and download it. And I'm not even kidding. Like as a family, we read over ours together last night. And even my husband was like, so these things are so accurate and actually kind of um, cute. We should just frame them and hang them up where we all three can see them all the time. Because uh, let me cover mine first, because this is when it like those things hit me. The things that might stress me out, working in uncooperative environments. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm still dealing with some PTSD from my last culture and what that looked like in terms of an uncooperative environment and like what that meant. So that is, I know for a fact that is 100% true. The next thing is seclusion. That's what... Professor Shaw was helping me work through in that conversation, uh, that presentation, because my type with the letters that I have, the um, 
extrovert and the feeler and the intuitive. Like I have to have other people and those engagements for my dominant traits to work well. And my auxiliary trait is the fact that I operate in the outside world. That is what that that means. That is so when I'm talking about having intuitive um, thoughts, the feeling and the judging, the NFJ has to happen externally for me. Now, my husband and son, on the other hand, since they are eyes, theirs happens internally. Very important to think about. Very important to remember. Very important if you're with a team of people or group of people, if you're in um, a work environment, if you are in a relationship or a friendship or a roommate situation, whatever it is, if you're around other people, this stuff is very helpful to know. These are wonderful talking points that will help validate you and validate your interactions and your responses to people and their interactions and responses to you. So seclusion is one thing on my list that could cause stress. And even my husband gave me like the, huh? about me because I have become this huge homebody. Like even somebody at work the other day was like, I feel like you might be an ambivert because you are like a pretty introverted extrovert. And I'm like, no, no, I'm still an extrovert. I just don't need to be out in the room. And she's like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure that makes you an ambivert. I'm not 100% sure on that. I'll be looking into it. Don't worry. But harmony being disrupted. Yes. Indecision stresses me out. Yes. When there is no time for brainstorming, oh my heavens, yes, dismissing how I feel. And by the way, when you look at my stress head that I downloaded, dismissing how I feel is almost as big as my trait type letters. And you could read it from across the room. And my husband and son were both like, "Uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. Yes. Procrastinators. Fun fact. My husband and I both have procrastinators on our stress head. And guess what my son has? He does not have procrastinator. He has when time management is required of me. Hmm. Oh, my. Oh, my, my. (laughs) Negativity from others. You know, where people who you are raising you and live in the house with you might nag you about you know, your time management. So yeek. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Being rushed. Again, my husband and I don't like procrastinators. My son does not like to be on managed time or feel rushed. We had a moment in this house last night. We had a moment. And then as we were departing into our respective beds for the night, I went to a a trigger like tomorrow time management planning because I like to plant seeds in the child's head about what the next and then I just had to stop myself because I realized that doesn't work well for him man this stuff is empowering feel about it what you will think about it what you will dismiss it if you want I don't think this is unhealthy in any way I think this is helpful. I think it is empowering. I think it is another resource, right? And I tried to think about how would I frame this to where I'm trying not to get you to live your life based on what these like stress heads or printouts or websites or um, even the Myers-Briggs research that's founded in science. 
not to let you dictate or give you a new lens. It's just like if you meet somebody, you don't walk up and hand everybody a wrench. You don't try to fix every problem with a wrench. You don't say goodbye to people by throwing a wrench at them. You don't use a wrench for everything, but you keep a wrench in your tool chest. You keep a wrench in your tool belt. There are jobs where the wrench is helpful. The things that I'm trying to get you to do, know yourself, accept yourself, love yourself, and then go out and find ways to apply all of your strengths and traits and skills into the world to add value. This is a really helpful tool. That's all I'm saying, right? So when I look at not being appreciated, unexpected changes, all of those things, the things that my husband and I had in common were very interesting. The things that we had um, completely different. And then let me just pull on one thing. My um, Clifton Strengths Finders, my number one strength is communication. And if you remember back to episode three and four, when I talked about these, I was kind of shook by that revelation because communication was always something I was apologizing for. Remember, we did a whole episode about saying I'm sorry, but I used to do that all the time. Sorry, I talked so much. Sorry, I dominated this conversation. Sorry, I interrupted you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And then I finally had to realize I get paid to talk. I love to talk. I'm good at talking. Let me talk. It's great. I shouldn't apologize for it. It's my strength. However, every strength has a front door and a back door or a basement and a balcony or a front stage or backstage or positive, whatever label you want to add to it that makes you feel better. Every strength can be a weakness. That's all I'm saying. So when you have someone like me who loves harmony and which means I want buy-in, I want everybody to feel involved and I want cooperative environments. I do not like having how I feel be dismissed. And I'm a communicator as found in my um, strengths finders, when you go to my husband's, one of the things he dislikes is talking about our feelings, <laughs> which I, we laugh because, because we, we see this as a pattern in our marriage. We see it as a pattern in our relationship. And we think about like how important it is that we keep lines of communication open, but we don't apologize for things. He doesn't apologize that he is, you know, a processor and how he likes to, but he doesn't, this to me was fun because I constantly accuse him of being indecisive. Indecision is one of the things that causes him stress, but he's a processor. So you can't obviously use these stress heads or this Myers-Briggs thing like in a silo by itself, but it is important to note that understanding yourself and then having these, you know, I guess as evidence is very helpful. So this was really an amazing experience. Not only the call with the professor, but then finding this information. And I've got a couple of resources for you. First of which were those stress heads. The second I found is another stressors and stress reactions. And this uh, is a PDF also from the MyersBriggs.com. And it's a quick tips type thing. So it's like, how we all get stressed out by different things. And then what do you know that is going to put you into kind of a stressful reaction to something? And then how you behave under stress. And it goes through and it groups people. Um, And I just pulled the one that had the extroverts on it. There's a completely separate page um, for the introverts. So um, it's a two-page PDF. But in looking at mine... um, the 
ENFJ. I'm a nurturer, which I would give you a list of 40 advisees right now who would agree with this. The things that stress me are conflict with others and between others, which is kind of funny because on the Enneagram, I'm a rebel, (laughs) but I don't like conflict necessarily. The harmony thing is important to me, but how I reach harmony is making sure everyone gets heard and that I validate people. So I'm not a pushover and it's, and by no means do I shy away from conflict because if you remember my podcast episode with my husband, um, that was his role and experience growing up. And that's not what I do. Um, the other thing that causes me stress is lack of warmth and not having my friendliness reciprocated. Again, I know I'm a lot. I got mugs and shirts and bookmarks and stickers that say like, I'm not for everyone. I know, but still it causes me stress. And the one that I have to tell you was like a, like clutch my pearls, kind of a gulp moment in 2020 and 2021. As I think about maybe it was really good that I was like home and more in control of my time is injustice in the world at large. (sighs) Right. That's a lot of stuff thinking about the world at large and my worried about the injustices happening. But yeah, so that's a stressor. I have to recognize that. I have to recognize that like maybe a good thing for me to do the first thing every morning, like my mom and like a lot of other people is to flip on the news. Probably not a great way to start the day (laughs) with a big old like infusion of stress. So I have to manage that and my exposure that I have to understand it. And then what happens to my behavior under everyday stress? I become effusive and over friendly. Oh, man. Yes, stage five clinger right there. Demanding to get their own and others' needs met. There you go. There's that Enneagram type. There is that rebel. There is that crusader for justice and all people who will not speak for themselves or can't because I'm too busy speaking for them. And interpret situations in terms of their own values, ignoring any evidence. Huh, that sounds like a good portion of society right now. Maybe we are all nurturers in some way. But again, very interesting stuff. Very useful, I think. Another little piece of information that I was super unaware of, not only was the dominant type and the auxiliary type interesting to me, but the other piece that I found interesting and quickly on the two types, and I mentioned extroverts use their dominant function in the outer world because that's where we live best and do best interaction with other people and those things. So that is the way in which our mental function for the personalization of the Myers-Briggs, right? Like this, one of these functions we work on at a greater degree introverts use their dominant function in the inner world. So it's less visible, but it's how they function best. So again, that was, it makes good sense when you hear it. It's just not something I ever really thought about. The functional pairs also made good sense to me. And I'll put that link. It's from uh, myersbriggs.org, which by the way, has a plethora of really great information and breaks this down. Like your Myers-Briggs at work your Myers-Briggs for personality and careers, types that you could use in professions, your Myers-Briggs and learning, relationships, personal growth. Like there was a lot of really good, useful information here. I just never came to this website, myersbriggs.org, to take advantage of it. So the functional pairs, they put your middle 
num- your middle letters together. So, f- like, your N or your S. Your sensing or your intuitive with your last or your second middle letter, which is your thinker or your feeler. So, for um, Kevin and I, or for Jack and I, I'm sorry, for my son and I, we are both intuitive feelers and then my husband the third outlier here in the family is the intuitive thinker so with the intuitive feelers we approach life and work in a warm and enthusiastic manner we like to focus on ideas and possibilities particularly possibilities for people wow doesn't that make me a great coach podcast person, uh, lecturer, advisor, recruiter, all the things. People like me are often found in careers that require communication skills, focus on the abstract, and an understanding of each other. Check, check, check. These folks tend to be less interested in careers that require an impersonal or technical approach to things and factual data. Check, check, check. (laughs) NFs are often found in the arts, clergy, counseling and psychology, writing, education, research, and healthcare. Boom. So true. Very validating. Very useful. Very much late in life, but still good. And was very much beneficial in this house last night. And will continue to be, I think. Because again... Not asking you to change your approach to things, not asking you to believe this over any other experience or thing you might have had, not asking you to change anything, but just bring it on board, take it as helpful tool, put in your little tool belt, something to think about. If you're finding yourself in some discontent, if you're finding yourself having a hard time finding positive things about yourself, if you are cranky, if you're having trouble with boundaries, whatever it might be, looking for the new job, doing the new thing, reflecting on whatever, fears that you might have, discontent. This is something to look at. Even if you're in a really good place, it's kind of interesting to look at. As you communicate about your needs and your thoughts and your feelings, if you need a good framework, if you need a good piece of evidence, I feel like this is a great place to start. So I hope this was a helpful conversation. I would have loved to have done this maybe as a video or a screen share or, you know, my my beloved Zoom calls the last couple of years, because I would have loved to have walked through all these things. But I will put all the links to these websites that I found in the show notes, and I will be incredibly honest that I just did some Google searches on this one. I didn't even end up at the university library looking for uh, peer journal, you know, articles, those types of things. I guess I could, but I found quite a wealth of information from a couple of different psychology and the Myers-Briggs organization itself. So I felt like that was pretty reliable and helpful resource. And our personal experience in my house with these stress heads, real spot on. And again, they're kind of cute. Printed them in color, super fun. (laughs) Hope this was helpful. Hope that you'll take a look at the show notes and um, click on a couple of these links, have some conversations with folks, make some notes in your journal, um, cut this stress head out, hang it up somewhere, manage your exposure, manage your uh, boundaries, and frame a life that makes good sense. Because the more you know about yourself, the more that you understand and love yourself, it's easier to go out and feel good about your functionality and your place in this world. I firmly believe that's why I do this podcast, have these conversations with you, share vulnerably, 
about being an old lady having an aha moment about something that I think the first time I took Myers-Briggs was in college, and that was the early 90s. Remember, Al Gore had not quite invented the internet. So that's how long I've known about the Myers-Briggs and just have not really utilized it to its full capacity. So hopefully you can have some of that experience as well. Thank you for listening. Go and have a really great week and be authentic. Thank you.